What time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. <laughs> Where in the hell is Sean? Oh, he's clear in the back of the room. So welcome to New Freedom. Welcome to Position and Neutrality. Merry Christmas to everybody. Um, any of you here for the very first time tonight? Oh, good. Well, first of all, welcome. That's good stuff. So um, just a, a note, those of you that are, that are programming here, uh, Chaplain Lee is not here tonight, but Chaplain Lee will be back for Christmas Eve uh, recovery church service on Saturday. So if you guys want to go to a church service on Saturday, um, Chaplain Lee will be back for that. And what we've started doing here since oh, just a little while ago when, when God started lifting us up because we asked, we started opening with a prayer, and because Chaplain Lee is out on a ship, we have Pastor Kovac who's going to come up and open us with a prayer. So I'm going to stand. Good evening, guys. Let's pray. Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, we just thank you, Lord, and we praise you for this beautiful day and breath in our bodies, Lord. We just thank you for all the blessings you pour out on us, Lord. We give you glory. We thank you for, for Jesus dying on a cross for us, Lord. We ask, Lord, you to just lift up everybody in this room, Lord, and ask you to just open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, so we can get to know you more. We praise you, Lord, and give you glory for everything, Lord. Holy Spirit, flow in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you, Tracy. So any of you that haven't been here before, what we do here may be a little different, but what we do, we've been doing for a lot of years, we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. Yeah? So what I do here is not tell you what it says, because what it says to you is none of my business. But what I will show you is how I find what it says to me. And I'll encourage you to have your experience with it. And we both do our job. We'll share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. Fair enough? How many of you have been here before and can witness for these folks that happens? So those of you online, they raise their hands. Those of you in the room, by their show of hands, they're telling you that when we're in here together and we share this experience, it's a sensory experience. So when, when that happens in here, I'll know and I'll call it to your attention. Because we would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration of the power. Fair enough? And we do the meeting the way we do because the authors tell us in the forward to the first edition to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of the book. So the point is always to just show you through my actions and through their experience how I align my experience with theirs and encourage you to have yours. Make sense? And all 12-step fellowships are based on this experience, even if they don't know it. Okay? All right, so we're in chapter five tonight because we're in step three. So those of you that are, who's been to an AA meeting before? Anyone? Okay, good, good percentage of you. So in a high percentage of the AA meetings I've ever been to, they read a little portion of chapter 5, and, and it's entitled How It Works. We're going to break that down. What that really is is the wrap-ups of step 1 and 2 leading us to a third step decision. Make sense? Yeah. And sometimes we read things, and there's more there, and so what we do here is we unpack it and make sure everyone kind of is on pace to actually have encountered real power and then ask that power to help them enact this decision they're about to make in 3. Yeah? Okay, so it says how it works. Rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path. Did you notice there was a promise there? Yep. What was the promise? Rarely have we seen a person fail. And, and the condition was? Thoroughly followed our path. Notice how they didn't say paths. Do you think that's accidental? There was a hundred of them witnessing to the first several thousand one path. Interesting. Anyway, those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. 
usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. So you might want to ask yourselves, honest with themselves about what? Yeah, all those are true. And to this point, they've said some very specific things. Shall we review? So one of the things they wanted us to be honest about is, can be found in the doctor's opinion. And the doctor's opinion in XXVII, right? Maybe it's III. Yeah. So we're on XXVIII, Roman numeral 28, if you're following along the book. And we're down at the, down at the bottom of the page. And it says, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. Yes. <laughs> Sean apparently agrees. How many of you, regardless of what you chased in here, methamphetamine, heroin, did, did you like the effect produced? Are, are you most of you sober or clean in here right now? That's good, high percentage of you. How many of you can still bring to your consciousness, your awareness, that sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by getting a bump, taking a drink? But you're sober, right? Some of you have been sober a minute, huh? Been clean a minute? Still can bring that to consciousness? Got to own that. I don't, I don't have the memory of suffering and humiliation, just euphoric recall. Right? Okay. So that's one thing I got to know. How many of you have tried living abstinent? How many of you have discovered that's complex? All right, so let's jump over to Bill Wilson's testimony in, let's see, it's in uh, about page 52, no, page 50. Bottom of that page, he says, here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. How many of you have had a second step experience and you had an experience of power, peace, happiness flowing into you? So, the AA authors are telling you from this experience that although they can bring to consciousness that ease and comfort and they know that they're in difficulty if they don't find ease and comfort from another source, they've now been introduced to a source from within that produces power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowing into them. So they're not recommending you live abstinent. They're recommending that if you're an addict to the hopeless variety, you learn to live spiritually inebriated. Does that make sense? See, that's a logical solution to people like me, perhaps like you, who are indeed addicts of the hopeless variety. I will not live long abstinent. I will fill myself with worldliness in spite of the consequences. So their solution is a tangible power, right? That's what we looked at in two. So those are the two things i got to be honest about. Did I bring to consciousness that sense of ease and comfort, and have I experienced at least a bump of this power we call God, enough that I'm willing to pursue improving consciousness through cleaning house and rest, making restitution and those things that we do. Yes? Okay. All right, so then it says, there are such unfortunates, they're not at fault, they seem to have been born that way, they're naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. So they're going to lay out for us this manner of living so that we understand that the decision I'm about to enter into is to carry out this manner of living, right? And the, the goal of which is to discover this well of 
power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction within me so that I can live in the world a free man. Yeah? Okay. All right, so it says their chances are less than average. There are those two who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. So how many of you have been around our fellowships for some period of time? How many of you have met those people with grave emotional and mental disorders? How many of you have been there long enough to know it's you? That's one of the things that happens to us is we never think we belong where we find ourselves. So we have to kind of grow into the fact that the reason I find myself in the places addicts of the hopeless variety find themselves is because I are one. <laughs> okay. All right, so our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. So the whole point of enacting the third step decision is to do a four step inventory and get armed with the facts about myself. What I was like, what happened, this encounter, and what I'm like now. I usually have an ideal for it and I usually know more about what I'm like now by someone else's opinion of me. Many of you had that discovery how all of a sudden you're just living differently and people go, man, I don't know what you're doing but keep doing it. And you think to yourselves, I don't know what I'm doing either. But keep saying it, right? Because that wasn't always their response to us, was it? I don't know what you're doing, but get the fuck out of my house, right? Okay. Okay. So the idea is to get armed with the facts about ourselves. If you guys have ever been to one of Chaplain Lee's sermons, one of the ones he gives is once we're armed with the facts about ourselves, we take our facts to the truth. I am an addict of the hopeless variety. For all rights, I should die on the streets a hopeless mess. And I take those facts to the truth in this searching and fearless inventory, and the truth sets me free. Make sense? Okay. All right. So... Then it says, if you've decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. So a lot of times people get us rushing without explaining what's up, and you cannot grow in conscious relationship without consciously deciding to move into it. So we need to understand what it is that they had, because it isn't somebody you meet in the modern fellowship who has a girl in a Mercedes, although you may want it. But that's not what they're talking about. Okay, so what they're talking about can be found on page 25, yeah? And if you go to page 25, they, in the middle of that page, it says the great fact is just this and nothing less, that we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences. Deep and effective. Start hearing people talking to the message that can reach these alcoholic types must have depth and weight. We have high-functioning bullshit filters, right? It's going to have to get inside where the power's found. So that's what they're promising happened to them. It says that these experiences have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He's commenced to accomplish those things for us, which we could never do by ourselves. So if some of you have started in the manner of living, some of that stuff started to happen for you. Do you know the difference if you haven't embarked on this manner of living between hope and certainty? Has anyone ever explained that to you? See, I had hope I was going to do better when I was out there, but it didn't stay with me once I started feeling the ease and comfort and the storm within me. The only thing I was absolutely certain about is that if I could get to the trap house, I could feel different. So for a guy like me who's naturally drawn to chemical release, I'm going to need that kind of certainty. I'm going to need to be anchored in that kind of certainty. And they're saying to a man, regardless of, they said half of them were atheists or agnostics in the beginning. They didn't stay that way because here's what they had. The absolute certainty that their creator dwelled in them and lived through them. Any of you think you could live life successfully with walking in that kind of certainty? I promise you, you can. 
You'll still think like you, but you'll act better. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Who's been empowered to act better than you think? How many of you didn't always have that skill set? Okay. All right. All right, so we're down to, it said, if you want what we have, so that's what they have, and you're willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready. So we've wrapped up one and two, and now we're going to start taking a look at what the go-forward looks like. And so the next paragraph says, at some of these, we balked. So it's the four-step inventory. It's the telling somebody else all about me. It's, you know, six and seven we blow right through because that's prayer and meditation and preparing to get enough internal courage to go out and face the people I've harmed. Then that restitution fitness step, nine is to get fit enough to go do the big restitution, which is 12. Take my musty past and put it to use to help my brother and sister. Make sense? Okay, so at some of these we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. So what does that tell you right away? They failed a lot. Yep. So every, this book is a whole bunch of mistakes they made to get to the right way. So we don't want to beat ourselves up, nor do we want to beat, out, beat up the new guy, because all of us are going to balk at certain things until someone tells us, I once thought and felt as you do. But I doubt I'd have made much progress had I not taken action. Here's the action I took, and this is what I experienced as a result. And if they're in tune with me, they will feel the experience I had. How many of you have sat down and done steps with me and know that's a fact? And then some of you are so dead when I sat down with you that I called it to your attention and go, good, I thought I was sick. (laughs) I was that sick too. That's why I know. Okay. All right, so, but we could not, with all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. How many of you have internalized that and then have applied that? Tried to hold on to your old ideas, found out you didn't make the progress you were hoping for. How many of you didn't even know what your old ideas were? I'll tell you a little trick to this 12-step gig. Until you're working with others, you'll never know what your old ideas are. Because they're going to reflect back for you what's going on within you. Anyway, just a little trick. Um, So it says some of us, oh, I'm sorry, remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it's too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is? So what we do here, if you haven't been here before, is we use God and power interchangeably because everyone believes in power even if they don't believe in God. And so what we don't want people to do is their prejudice to kick in and because we're saying a word that points to power within them, they get a theology going on and they can't receive the... Does it make sense? The power that they desperately need, right? So, where did they tell us in the last step experience this power was found? Deep down inside. And how do we find it? Sometimes we have to search fearlessly. So I'm getting ready to go inward and get armed with the facts about myself so I can go bear witness properly. And because I'd much rather go out here to find solutions... I'm going to need power to go inward. Because fearless does not mean without fear. It means in spite of the fear. Does it make sense? Okay. So may you find him now. So they're encouraging me to go inward. And they're they're encouraging me to enjoin with this power, this tangible sensory presence that I have encountered into. Yes? Okay. And then it says half measures availed us nothing. How'd they learn that? Tried some half measures. How many of you have tried some half measures? How many of you didn't know there were half measures? You can sit in our fellowships and you'd get all kinds of suggestions and you'd think you're doing everything you're supposed to and you never done any measures. You know how many people I've met over the years that can quote this book, never done a fucking thing it says? All I'm suggesting is Don't be a reader of the word, be a doer. 
Um, and you, well, you won't benefit till you do. Not because it's a legalistic suggestion. It's just the benefit. I'm not. Don't know what's wrong with me till I see it in you, and realize that I'm only seeing my thoughts. I'm not seeing you at all. And once I start trying to help you, the power to help you flows through me. That's the way we were engineered to live in the world. All right, so we stood at the turning point. We ask his protection and care with complete abandon. The old timers will tell you that that is the second step prayer. Okay? Okay, so then it says here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. I'm going to blast through that and go over to page 60. I'm going to get to their experience where it says, many of us exclaimed, what an order. I can't go through with it. How many of you have felt that way, even if you didn't say it that way? Okay, how many of you have been empowered to indeed go through with it, although you took it one step at a time? See, a lot of times we say, what an order, I can't go through with it, clear back in two, and we're talking about nine. And that makes that reach a little longer on the ladder. But if you ask for a decision, ask for power. Why would I want to ask for a power to enact the decision? The old timers used to talk just about this too. They used to say, if you got three frogs on a log and one makes a decision to jump, how many frogs you got? You got three because all he did was make a decision. He didn't jump. Yeah, so it's, it's a, they talk about it over and over in here, faith without works is dead, right? I, I'm going to have to take the power out for a walk because I prove the power to me through me. Make sense? Okay. All right, so said I can't go through with it. So what is our admonishment to them when they tell us they can't go through with it? Exactly. Let's be spiritual now. Not the bullshit that I hear. Don't be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We're not saints. The point is, we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. Right? And it's much more, I felt you guys, who felt that in here? See, those are powerful words even to this day. And you can feel it. When you felt that, you didn't feel me. You felt the power in you. Responding to truth. Okay? All right, so... So it says, it says, we're not saints. The point is, we're willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we've set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. How many of you have had a hard time in your life because you had a mindset of perfection, and when you found it unachievable, you just threw it all in? Screw it. So it's important that we help each other as addicts to understand that none of us is going to achieve perfection regardless of what you hear or think or see, but we are going to make progress which can be marked simply by our ideas and attitudes, right? Revolutionize our whole way of life, okay? All right, so it says, our description of the alcoholic the chapter to the agnostic and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. Notice how they separated those two thoughts. We pointed out to you last week in two that they didn't even tell me what my unmanageability was until I already copped to it in one. They, the authors had me enact this act of faith in one and then they showed me the unmanageability in two. Do you remember when they showed us the unmanageability? From page 52, want to go back? We better go back. I see some blank looks out there. All right, so, so middle of the page 52, we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. Any of you discover that after you came to recovery? And you found out that you still had problems even though the chemical problem was arrested? Okay. It said, said we couldn't control our emotional natures. Any of you have that discovery? 
How many of you thought you had it all together until someone proved to you you didn't? <laughs> the funniest one was Sean. I looked up to Sean for a long time. One time we were over on, at another clubhouse years ago, and we were in the middle of a prayer at the end of the meeting, and this guy, obviously disturbed, came running in as we're saying the prayer and started complaining about something wrong with the coffee or too many people in the room. And we went right from, you know, our father to, fuck you! That was <laughs> and I thought, God, I'm glad that was him, not me. I was thinking it. You learn a little lesson, let them go first, right? All right. So it says, um, we were prey to misery and depression. How many of you discovered that after you sobered up? And a lot of times, if we're not careful, we'll go seeking meds for that instead of just growing spiritually to overcome it. I'm not trying to be a doctor. I'm just trying to say most of us have done a little time practicing medicine. And no one else here did a little better living through chemistry? I knew exactly what I needed, right? So we couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. Couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. So that is that unmanageability I cop to. It's never an external thing. It's an internal thing. And I project it on everything I'm doing. Right? Okay. So we're on step or letter B that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. How many of you came to that conclusion? How many of you had plenty of human powers trying to relieve your alcoholism, including yourself? Okay, and then it said that God could and would if he were sought. So when we say God, what are we talking about? Because if I have admitted to powerlessness, the obvious solution to powerlessness is power. So I now have had an experience of power and I have got this confirmation of the Spirit, and I've got a witness in front of me saying, look, I once thought and felt as you do, but I doubt I'd have made much progress had I not taken action. This is what I did, and this is what I experienced as a result. And so now I'm walking with a peer. You guys, how many of you are programming here? Do you notice how you met a lot of people just like you when you got here? And they said, welcome home? Do you think that's by accident, or do you think we took it out of this book? Not by accident, we did take it out of this book. That's why we, this is what we do here. It's a manner of living. It doesn't matter if you've got a chemical issue because that's just a symptom of an underlying problem. We believe that all of this addiction stuff is simply a loss of identity. So we bring you here, we tell you who you are and whose you are, and you wake you up. Amen. That's it. Okay, so being convinced we were at step three. So being convinced of what? A, B, and C. How many of you were convinced of A, B, and C and then thought you'd overreacted? <laughs> so this isn't a one and done because I was never a one and done at the trap house. This is a manner of living, right? Okay. So which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. Now over the years they have twisted that and said it's a God of your understanding. That's not what they said. You can do whatever you want, but what they said is we turned our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood them, and they told you of the sensory experience they'd had. Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in. The cool wind of a mountaintop blowing through and through. Right? Okay. So, you can do it any way you want, but their path is the power, and the power is the path. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So it says, what do we mean by that and what do we do? The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. So how many of you are convinced? Based on what? Based on your experience? Now read it again. Because it didn't, it didn't say based on my experience. It said by any lie. So I've got to quit judging how I'm thinking and feeling by how I see people act or hear them speak. Because I can get troubled 
and I can get into comparing myself, and I can start acting in a persona, all because I'm trapped by people, and they have nothing to do with what's going on in me. It's hard to believe that, right? But it's a fact as we start to get free, right? All right, so, so it, says, it says, the first requirement, we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, we're almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. So how many of you have discovered that? Checked your motives, motives were good. All of a sudden, you're in a collision anyway. Someone didn't appreciate your motives. They didn't show you proper appreciation for what you believed your motives to be. Any of you think you were doing something selfless till someone ignored you and you thought, that son of a bitch? <laughs> so it's not as easy as it sounds, is it? It's going to take a power greater than me because my perception will always override unless I'm being driven in the spirit. Does it make sense? All right, so, so most people try to live by self-propulsion. Now, remember, they're talking about people. When they want to talk about alcoholics, they want to talk about addicts to anything, they'll say that. Right now, they're just talking about my human condition because alcohol and drugs of various types are symptoms of this underlying human condition I have. Okay, so it says each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show. Is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. How many of you have had that? Got it all set up? And then somehow it wasn't quite right. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest, and self-sacrificing. Thank you. <laughs> Any of you besides Sean find yourself there? Modest, self-sacrificing? I encourage you all to find yourself there. Because no one's all good or all bad. Okay. Um, on the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. Any of you find yourself there? How many of you are more comfortable there? Some people are more comfortable there, but that, that's just the other end of the line of self. It's not less selfish or more selfish, it's just selfish. Because you're, you're not acknowledging your being, you're not being authentic. Does it make sense? Some of us are much more comfortable being angry and mean. True? Okay. So, it says, as with most humans, he's more likely to have varied traits. And sometimes they're misperceived, right? By me or others. Any of you ever thought you were being kind until someone said, quit yelling? <laughs> Apparently some of you have, because you're chuckling with me. All right, so what usually happens? So they got a question mark. When they put a question mark in this book, this is the author's testimony. They want us to go inward. What usually happens? It isn't what they happened to them, but what happens to me? So it says the show doesn't come off very well. How many of you have had that discovery? He begins to th think life does not treat him right. Any of you... Had that discovery? There you were out acting selfless and some son of a bitch didn't appreciate your selflessness. <laughs> At least not in the way you had hoped. Says he decides to exert himself more. Any of you say, nope, I really need to dig in and just be nice. He becomes on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious as the case may be. And still the play does not suit him. How many of you have had that? I, I, my brother here knows the feeling. Have you guys ever calculated why it is I got everything arranged and everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing and here I am and it's still not satisfying? I can't tell you for you, but what I discovered along the way is 
I get everyone in their place and I'm out arranging the lights, the scenery and the ballet just perfect. And then the light pans to me to play the part that is my life. And I'm not in my place. I'm out here in the ballet. The, I'm not there to play the role that is my life. So it couldn't come off because I wasn't there to play my part. And I got to own that as a human because sometimes it's hard to stand where it's uncomfortable and wait for my cue. Right? Okay. All right. So admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he's sure that other people are more to blame. It's so much easier to deflect. Yes? But if I deflect and there is truly only one that has all power, what's happened to me? I've conditioned my power to live on somebody else's actions or words. Don't want to do that, right? All right, so he, he becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is this basic trouble? The question mark means I'm going to go inward. So I'm angry, I'm indignant, self-pitying. What is my basic trouble? Or at a minimum, I'm trying to assume that they should read my mind and behave in a way that I would like them to behave. Any of you ever done that? It says, is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? So I gotta just I gotta own that. I mean, if I give you something selflessly, then I have no right to expect you'll respond at all. And quite frankly, in the world we live in, that's probably an expectation that'll be met. I probably will get no response from many of the things that I do. That doesn't mean I should stop doing them because I'm doing them in self-interest because otherwise I'm doing opposite shit. Okay. All right, so is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only he manages well? I think it's interesting that they discovered that was delusion. Have you all discovered that the idea that I can get satisfaction and happiness out of the world if I manage it well? Sounds delusional on its face, doesn't it? Have you noticed how non-compliant we can be with other people's management schemes? Come on. Who, how, how many, where's my staff here? Y'all know. Where's our members here? We got cameras, we know you're non-compliant. We, we, we know who you are. I live in no delusion of who, who I surround myself with. I, I know who I are and I know who you are as a result. And we're just one big happy shit show right here in the middle of Phoenix. But, but we're, we're taking on the world. Believe that. We got warriors in here. Is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? The question mark. Eyesight without insight, spiritual blindness. Am I actually being found out in real time and just I'm the only one deluded? Everyone knows I'm after something for me. And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? You ever had that happen? You run around pretending you're in charge and somebody figures out you ain't? And they think they're in charge? And all of a sudden you got a dust up? Is he not in his best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? Have you ever found that to happen? Come on, how many of you just thought everything's going exactly the way I want? I'm doing everything you asked me to do and still I'm misperceived and you sons of bitches. <laughs> so our actor is self-centered, egocentric. Not necessarily in a bad thing, I have a limited perspective. The only thing I know is how I feel in this moment. I have no idea what's driving you, but I assume your unconscious action is a direct attack on me. And you probably weren't thinking of me. You know why I know that? Because I don't think any of you think about me quite as often as I think about me. So, he, our actor is self-centered, egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays. He's like the retired businessman who lolls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation. The minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century, 
politicians and reformers who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave, the outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him, and the alcoholic who has lost all and is locked up. Whatever our protestations are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, or our self-pity. Now, I may not agree with that now, but remember this book's written in past tense. So they're telling you of an unfolding experience they had. So they learned these things. So if you're brand new, of course you're going to be full. When I got here, I was so angry and so resentful, and the only reason I could think of to live was to get revenge on some of the people that I knew. I'm not lying. I'm just... And it wasn't even specific, just groups of people. But the only tool I had to navigate the world and the only reason I had to live was that until someone was compassionate enough for me to take those facts to the truth within me and then I was unburdened of those facts and set free. And I stand here today many years later as a demonstration that I am indeed free. Does it make sense? Okay. And my obligation is to make sure that every one of you that I encounter experiences similar freedom, if you will. Does it make sense? Which is why I'm in the line of work I'm in. It's not by accident. Okay. So, I don't even know what I did. Okay, so whatever our protestations are not most of us concerned with our resentments, our, our self-pity, and then we go back into what they discovered. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. Okay? Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Now, they're not telling you your experience. They're going to encourage you in four to write down your resentments, chase them all the way back to the fears. Because that's what they did. And then you'll know this is true for you. You'll be armed with the facts. And in the process of getting armed with the facts and then empowered to walk forward in this manner of living, you will find that you can unpack all of that simply by serving others. Does it make sense? Okay. So, so it says, sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we've made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. So you guys, again, a lot of us come from a lot of dysfunction, and we were, we were harmed by others, and no one's trying to say to you that when you were harmed unjustly by another that you have a part in that at that moment. But if you have experienced the grace to come from that to a better place and you're not using that experience of grace to help others, then you're suffering from your own unforgiveness, which is tethering you to an event from which you've been redeemed. Does that make sense? And if we don't get you free of that, you'll just keep living in that. So it's really not, forgiveness is never about the other because they're not dying of my unforgiveness. I am. And once I don't even need to forgive, I just need to know that I'm forgiven and I can distribute that gift. And, and the key to knowing I walk in forgiveness is to be a distributor of forgiveness. Okay? All right, so... So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. So they told me, humans, they're just regular examples of self-will run riot. And I have discovered I am an alcoholic human. I'm an extreme example of self-will run riot, and I don't think so. What's the chances I can live happily in the world. Not, not good, right? So they're speaking to me as a human with an alcoholic condition. Others can run around and be what they are, 
but it's extremely dangerous to me and the people who care about me for me to remain there, right? And they also said another little thing. Where's the main problem center, the alcohol? So it's inside of me. Where, where do the, these troubles arise from? The troubles arise from within me too. So the problem and the solution reside in me according to their witness. So what, who am I going to feed? Problem or solution? And how many, how many issues have you had in your life because you fed a problem and then continued to act in the problem right to a bad outcome for yourself? So this is why we want to get free of those things. They're eventually going to talk to us about, we, you know, we're, we lose our fear of today, tomorrow, the hereafter. We're going to get there before we're done. That means that I've died to self. And dead people are not disturbed by living people's shenanigans. Does it make sense? Okay. All right. So, so above, al- above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. Now they're separating me from normal humans. They can continue to act selfishly, and it doesn't need to be called out by me because I now am an alcoholic or a human with an alcoholic condition known to me, and I have to get rid of my selfishness. You ever notice how when I can see someone else being selfish, I'm similarly selfish? I'm fighting with you for turf. We must, or it kills us. And God makes that possible. Power makes that possible. A power within me that enables me to be kinder than I feel like being. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. How many of you have tried to get rid of self? How many of you got a selfie of yourself rid of self? (laughs) The interesting thing about getting rid of self is that any time I am aware of me, there I am. This is why we need a power greater in ourselves operating through us, because I have to be unaware of me in, our, in order to let the power flow through me. Does it make sense? How many of you have had that experience working with someone, helping somebody, and have been in the spirit and realized things are coming through you, they're not of you, and the minute you start thinking you can add to it, there you are. All right, so many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. So how many of you had that experience? Any of you students of that other book? He said, oh, what a wretch I am. I do the things I hate, and I don't do the things I want to do. Now, you may not have worded it that way, but how many of you really wanted to stop tearing up the lives of everyone you cared about and yourself too? How many of you couldn't find any power to manifest any outward action to do it? You don't want to quit. Well, no, I really, I really do. I'm not very hopeful, but I really do. How many of you discovered that we're not quitters? If I could quit, I'd quit. I understand there's a whole class of people out there that can quit. I am not a quitter. That shit gets beat out of me or yanked from me. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? It's a tedious process. <laughs> Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. I come to believe on a power that consistently delivers me, even though I don't know his name in the initial phases. Any of you have that discovery? And I, wherever you are in the journey, we're just telling you what their experience is, not yours. But I will tell you that I came here Definitely agnostic, and I have become a believer, and I stand in faith every day because I'm constantly delivered. And not only that, if I stand in faith long enough, other people are delivered. And it's really cool to watch it and then hear people say, wow, thank you for doing this. I thank God, because I was a certifiable train wreck, dude. There ain't no reason this got done because of my qualifications. This got done because I know my identity today. All right, so this is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. That's disturbing. For the <laughs> why do we have to quit playing God? 
They've already told us what they mean by playing God, too, arranging the lights, the scenery, and the ballet, and thinking that we're all that, when all the evidence suggests we're not all that. Right? Okay. So it didn't work. And next, we decided that here and after in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. So what's a director do? He arranges the lights, the scenery, and the ballet. See, they were all in the right place to begin with. I just need to stand, be still, and know. My cue will come. Right? It's not easy. Talking to you. Be still and know. It's not easy. No one's suggesting it is. Right to you. It's a word from the Spirit, I'm telling you. He is the principal, we're his agents, he's the father, and we're his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. What concept are they talking about? Everything's already set. The stage is set. All we're waiting for is a cue. That concept is I don't have to direct. It's all been arranged for me. And if I will just wait on my cue, it will look like I have perfect timing. And I'll get credit for that which was done through me. How many of you have had that experience? Some of you are feeling that. Yes? That's the power. That's not happening up here. That's happening in you. Okay. Um, so, when we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. So those of you students of that other book, what they're telling you is signs and wonders followed them. How many of you are programming here? If you don't believe in miracles, can you at least believe that I believe in miracles? I walk in miracles every single day here. So do you. I'm, I'm just more aware today than I once was. <laughs> said we, we had a new employer. Who's my new employer? How many of you were like me and you'd solve your job problem with joblessness? It's kind of, it's kind of cool when you figure out that your employer lives within you and he's placed you where he wants you and he'll move you when he needs to. Okay. He, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Now, guys, we're not talking about a theology. We're talking about a sensory experience. So how do I keep close? Conscious contact, right? Awareness of being aware of that power in and on my life. And that's, that's why the process is what the process is. It should all make logical sense. As I start encountering power, and I know that it's power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in, and I often, somebody I was talking to today was talking about being in fear of what's coming. It may have even been Tony, but it could have been somebody else, but it doesn't really matter. What I said to him is all of life is about walking into that which we do not know. The only reason we're not in constant fear is most of us are unconscious a lot of the time. But as you grow in consciousness of this power who is neither, I mean, there's nowhere he's not, then pretty soon you're walking in confidence, aren't you? Okay. All right. So he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. What's his work? Whatever he needs to have done his will. Yeah, it'll be indicated. But one teacher said, trust, trust God, clean house, work with others. Another one, a few thousand years before that, said, if you love me, feed my sheep. So it's never gotten any harder than that. All right, so established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves. Now I have selfishness, self-centeredness was my problem, and now I'm in this manner of living, and I'm less and less interested in myself, this manner of living is starting to work, isn't it? So our little plans and designs. How many of you have discovered that you sometimes undershot what God had for you? Any of you just wanted delivered from some terrible state and all of a sudden you got problems in areas of your life you didn't have areas of your life? 
It happens. I, when we got ready to put this together, we had a, a couple try and give us a church. And Denise and I tried to get the, the, the thing licensed, and we finally gave the damn thing away to somebody, and the people that gave it to us said, no, we're not giving it to anyone except you guys. So then we tried to get a license so we could put 20 beds in it so we could help people coming back from prison. And we never could get it licensed. And it took so long, we got frustrated and started talking to other people, and all of a sudden we bought this. And then we went to the zoning commission because we needed seven variances to open this thing because we, we have a population that troubles some people. <laughs> and luckily, we had a century-wide event called a pandemic, and we got all seven variances, and no one showed up at the, ver- the zoning hearing. So my little plan and design was a little blue church down on the 202 in McDowell, and God's plan for you was this. And if, thank God, I'm telling you, I'm as amazed as you every day. All right, so more and more we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. How many of you noticed that? Where who, you guys in recovery, have you started trying to help people? Be a little more helpful? Just, just to, okay. It says, as we felt new power flow in. New power. What's new mean? Unlike anything I've ever experienced before. As we enjoyed peace of mind. As we discovered we could face life successfully. As we became conscious of his presence. So guys, they're telling you they had to, you'll have to, you have to walk it out, right? You're going to act your way into better thinking because addiction is the effort to think your way into better acting, and we know that doesn't work. That's why there's no chapter on into thinking in this book. There's a chapter on into action because we're going to walk it out. People are going to notice you're better before you know you're better because you'll be losing self as you go. You will be less self-aware, but other people will know the change in you. How many of you have had that happen? Okay. So as we become conscious of his presence, that there's, there's, a, there's a calling and then there's this appointment at some point, right? All right. So, so we begin to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter we were reborn. So I told you this was coming. In order to be reborn, what had to happen? Self had to die. So then for us to continue... To respond to the world as if we were living seems a bit silly. But we need a manner of living because the illusion is astonishing. The persistence of the illusion is astonishing. Many of us pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. Anyone here pursue the illusion of control into the gates of insanity or death? The idea that he can control and enjoy his thinking is the great obsession of every abnormal thinker. So without a manner of living constantly bearing witness to the power that restores, I'm in trouble. Because I've been doing this a long time and I can still bring to consciousness the ease and comfort that comes at once by having a drink or a bump or whatever. Okay. All right, so it says that we are now at step three. Didn't they say that like several pages ago? Okay, it says, many of us said to our maker as we understood him, and it's in italics, and I want you to understand that the reason it's in italics is they've told you very clearly how they understood this power. This power presents from within. This power, peace, happiness, a sense of direction. It had done all this restoration in their lives. In Bill's case, it was quite a revolutionary experience, many others, right? But it's always sensory, tangible power. In step two, they talked about the electrical theory. And no one believes in electrical theory without experiencing it, right? And we've experienced it by accidentally getting shocked or whatever. We've experienced its effects. And we don't expect you to come to believe in this power that we call God without experiencing its effects. And if we're in our addiction deep enough, we don't even know we're experiencing it. But the one taking us through it will know we're experiencing it and will call it to our attention. Make sense? That's our job. That power you feel right there, that's the power we call God. Okay. All right. So 
God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Notice how it said, take away my difficulties that victory over them would bear witness to you. When you notice I have less difficulties and you ask me, Joe, you were a certified shit show and you seem to be less so. How did that happen? I can't tell you how, but I can tell you who. His power, his love, his way of life. And we don't want to diminish the way of life because if you just think you're one and done and you don't go out and serve, you won't be comfortable long. Does it make sense? Okay. And then there's no amen there. Some drunk years ago put it on a card and put her name in there and everyone thought that was the third step prayer. But the third step prayer is only half of what I'm going to finish when I've had my eyes open in seven. So there ain't no amen because I don't need agreement. Does it make sense? Okay. And then it tells us a little bit about the contemplation now that I've said this prayer. We thought, well, before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. We found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person, such as our wife, best friend, or spiritual advisor, but it's better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. So understand the decision I'm entering into. What's this mean? Turning my will and my life over. So that means I'm going to take the rest of the steps. I'm going to keep going until I grow enough in God to help another person. And then I'm going to keep doing it. Wash, rinse, repeat. Right? The wording is, of course, quite optional as long as we express the idea of voicing it without reservation. We learned we had to fully concede to our innermost self that we are alcoholic. This is the first step in recovery. I cannot do that based on a lie. So when I say this prayer, it's without reservation. I offer myself to thee. Right? Got it? We're there. Let's go. Sorry, I ran over. <laughs> 